Did you ever think you would make it? I feel I'm so close I could take sweet victory. I know this life meant for me. Yeah, why would you bet on Goliath when we got bet David? Value taming, giving values contagious. This world of entrepreneurs, we get no value to haters. How they run, homie, look what I become. I'm the, I'm the one. Yes, is that when we were trying? I was trying to golf. You were actually golfing. This yeah, is, but it was, it was Maui, and it was at the. Yeah, um, I remember that. Oh, gentlemen, we're live. Wonderful okay. gallery. Well, listen, <laughs> folks, we got a uh, uh, another special guest today. Today, we're going to talk about a very uh, non-controversial topic. The uh, it's, <laughs> it's going to be about COVID. Okay, that's what we're going to be talking about today. So, let me give a couple of disclaimers before we get into our uh, uh, podcast today. Our guest today is Ed Dow. He uh, uh, is. He was a former money manager where he grew his fund at BlackRock from roughly $2 billion to $14 billion in a span of 10 years. He's done a lot of different things. He moves to Miami, uh, Maui. He writes this book that just came out called Cause Unknown, The Epidemic of Sudden Deaths in 2021 and 2022. Before he hit the stage here on the podcast, Rob went on ChatGBT and he searched. What did you Google if you want to show it to the audience so they can see it? Uh, just put up the pictures. You, there you go. Zoom in a little bit. Chatted. Yeah, zoom in a little bit. So you said what? You said, provide me a summary of the book Cause Unknown, the epidemic of sudden deaths in 2021 and 2022. Here's what he said I'm sorry, but Cause Unknown is not an actual book. It appears to be a hypothetical scenario or a work of fiction. As an AI language model, I am not capable of providing information or summaries of events or books that have not actually occurred or been published. If you have any other questions, please ask me. Anyways, so Rob asked the next question. Show the next one, which is very interesting. Your next question is, provide me a summary of the book Alice in Wonderland. Alice in Wonderland is a classic children's novel book written by Lewis Carroll. Anyways, you don't need to know about Alice in Wonderland. But that, that's what Chad GBT thinks of uh, 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 our guest here today. I do want to say this to you, that we are going to talk about the vaccine and finance and economy and insurance companies and Pfizer and Moderna stock, whether you should buy some or short it, and O'Keefe and a recent story that came out from UK talking about when are we going to releasing the next virus that was written about in CNBC, in BBC. Uh, we'll talk about the next election. We'll talk about Christopher Ray, about Department of Energy, and maybe recession in Q2. We'll talk about all, all about that stuff. None of us today are doctors. CDC till today states that COVID-19 vaccines are safe, effective, and reduce your risk of illness. So our uh, guest today is going to give you the out- counter argument to that based on specific data. And uh, But for you, if you do agree or not agree, make sure to see your doctor before you make any decisions on vaccines. Having said that, Ed, thank you so much for being a guest on the podcast. Thanks for having me on today, Patrick. Pleasure yes. to be here. It's it's great to have you on. We uh, 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 It's funny because a lot of times we'll do podcasts and we'll do, and so who, who do you want to see on the podcast? Ed Dow, Ed Dow, Ed Dow, Ed Dow. Ed. How many people have been asking for Ed? Like It was like constant for like two months. Yeah. You got to have him on. You got to have him on. You got him. Look, okay, so oh, who's Ed Dow? I know who he is. I've seen interviews, and I realized who you were, and I said, great, let's invite him, and here we are on the podcast. So if you don't mind, take a moment and share with the audience your background, and how does somebody who works at BlackRock 
that some would call that the face of ESG. You know, how do you go from an institution like that that is pro-ESG to then wanting to expose data about COVID? How does that happen, if you don't mind sharing your story? No, no worries. Uh, I left BlackRock about 10, 11 years ago. 2012 was my last year there. And so they weren't into ESG, and they weren't as big as they are today. It was a different firm, and they were heavily involved in what's called active management, where portfolio managers like myself pick stocks. Now they're mostly a, a passive uh, indexing house. Basically. Was Larry still there, or was Larry, Larry was there? Okay. He's, and you know, Larry, I, I flew in a private jet to Larry with Larry to go pitch business to Calpers, and at the time, he seemed like a, a fine gentleman. But yeah. I have no idea what's gone on there the last eleven years. So whatever's happened wasn't on my watch, or I wasn't employed. But I started out off my career uh, after college. I went to Notre Dame undergrad, and then I went to HSBC, Hong Kong Shanghai Bank where I was an institutional fixed income salesperson. And that's where I learned the guts of the economy and money markets, interest rates, uh, you know, foreign exchange, you know, uh, mortgage asset backs, agency securities, government securities. So, so I worked there and a lot of my uh, c- uh, customers were insurance companies and pension funds and state pension funds and banks. So I did that for five years. And that's when I first was introduced to the world of fraud on wall street. That's when, uh, um, uh, Kidder Peabody blew up. There was a trader that hid some bo- bonds in, in the desk. This is before, you know, trades were entered into computer systems. You could hide bonds in the desk, I, I guess, hmm, <laughs> back wild. in the day. But yeah. What years were this? This was uh, between 1990 and 95. Also, Orange County blew up. Uh, I remember the best salesman in my office was in the California office. I was in the Chicago branch, and he was selling bonds to Orange County. That blew up when interest rates rose. I remember that. Yeah, you remember that. Yeah, I do. And so that, that was my first foray into fraud. Uh, young man, I went back to business school, Indiana University, got an MBA in finance, then went to uh, Donaldson Lufkin and Genret, which was a investment bank, and it was known for uh, equity research. And I was an electric utility analyst, and I was there from 97 through 99. And right down the hall from me were the internet uh, fellows, and they were minting money. And that was when another fraud occurred, the dot-com fraud. And what was going on there was basically uh, the due diligence process that investment banks used to do was to, like, before they brought a company public, they had to have something called revenues and, <laughs> and cash flows. And we were, they, were, they were issuing companies with eyeball metrics. And, you know, we, we know how that ended. Now, there were some companies that did rise from the ashes, Amazon being one of them. But that was a lot of corporate fraud that led to other frauds like WorldCom, uh, Enron, what have you. So that, that was the era of corporate fraud, and I saw that. I only spent two years at DLJ, and then I went up to Boston to a firm called Independence Investments uh, to be a technology analyst. And because of what I saw going on in the halls of DLJ, I knew that it was going to end badly. Uh, steered my firm the best I could as a young analyst through that debacle and parlayed that into a job at BlackRock as a portfolio manager in 2002. And uh, spent 10 years there raising assets. We started off with $2 billion through performance and asset gathering. We, we grew it. So we had a good track record. And we also uh, steered our fund through the great financial crisis, which was another fraud I saw. And in these frauds, there's always a refrain. In, in the internet fraud, it was, it's a new paradigm, Ed. And, and, and you could say that was my first mass formation psychosis. You know, people there were like, it's, it's different, Ed. You can't, you, you got to get on board. 
And then in the great real estate crisis, home prices never go down, right? And of course, all you had to do was Google uh, home prices falling. And, you know, you saw that 50 years before that they had fallen. And then now the scene uh, that I'm involved in is tracking ones and zeros, dead, not dead, disabled, not disabled. And the refrain I heard for this, I call this a fraud. This is a a fraud that involves different silos, media, uh, pharma, government, uh, regulatory capture. So this is the biggest fraud we've ever seen. And the refrain is safe and effective. So every, every fraud error has a refrain. And this is, this is the, the most egregious fraud I've ever seen in my life. And so w- how did I figure out those other frauds? Pattern recognition, following trends. And so I'm just a guy that uh, tries to get ahead of everybody else. That was my job, was to can, be first. Can you, can you go through that a little bit more? Because I was about to ask you the question, and you said, how do I find out a pattern recognition trend? So such as what? So what do you look for? What numbers do you look for? You saw internet. You saw what happened with mortgages in 08. I think you guys even were calling that, right? When, uh, like the whole big short concept, you were also saying that this season is coming where, you know, all these mortgage-backed securities, they're going to go get crushed. So what what data do you look for and what commonalities do you see with how COVID was handled versus the prior three frauds? So what, what you look for is uh, a, a trend change. Every Markets go up and they go down. So you try to get ahead of the curve. You don't want to be too early because if you're early, you get run over. Um, you know, uh, Michael Berry from the big short was two years early, and he, and he almost got defunded. His investors almost bailed on him, but they, they held in, and he made phenomenal killing. So there's a bit of timing to this. But, uh, you know, what, what you look for is my sweet spots between perception and reality, right? So the herd is perceiving a truth, and the numbers underlying that truth are starting to change. The herd is perceiving a truth, and the underlying numbers are starting to change. Correct. And so basically... Uh, you try to capture when that rea- when the perception is going to change to the new reality. And so with this this fraud that I saw, uh, from the get-go, it started to seem strange. Before the vaccine was introduced, in 2020, uh, I saw people um, being uh, suppressed, censorship. And, you know, I'm, I'm one of those, I'm an information junkie. So when someone, is, when someone tells me not to look at something, it's like a moth to a flame. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go look. So there was all sorts of inconsistencies, especially along the lines of the treatment protocols that were coming out. We all know now, in hindsight, that there was a suppression of early treatment to make way for the vaccine. And you had to know something about uh, emergency youth authorization law, which stated that there could be no emergency use authorization issued if there were already treatments available. And that's why there was a demonization of ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine, which have, you know, as far as I'm concerned, work. I've done the protocol myself when I got COVID last year, and I I had a sore throat. So early on, there was just a lot of discrepancies, mask, no mask, this uh, unified messaging from the global governments, which we, here's a pattern. Here's a recognition of a pattern. When have you ever seen global governments in unison agree on anything prior to 2020? Never. And all at once... Same messaging, same phrases, same procedures all at once. So that was kind of a clue that something different was going on here. (laughs) What a question. When is the last time you've seen all the world governments, countries being on the same page? Never. Uh, Never. And so, so once you once once you you know ask that question and the answer is no, then you have you, you can start a whole series of other questions of exploration. 
So, okay, so as you're, you're diving in and you're looking through, and I'm assuming obviously you're not vaccinated, right? No, I, I, I did not. But, you know, look, most of my family and loved ones did. So I was telling them not to because I knew three things, right? That it was an experimental vaccine, never been tested on humans. I knew that because of my background on Wall Street. I knew that Moderna was a sketchy company before they got the contract to do this. I knew that most vaccines take seven to 10 years uh, to get safety data before they're approved. And I also intuitively knew the Operation Warp Speed sounded like an absolute disaster to me. Anything Warp Speed sounds like safety protocols cut, manufacturing processes rushed. It just sounded like, so I said to myself internally, I'm going to wait. And then to my uh, dismay, I didn't realize the propaganda campaign that was going to be uh, you know, implemented upon the populations of the globe. So when I saw everyone around me rushing to get this thing, I was horrified. I was like, it, it, it hasn't been tested. Let, let, me, let me ask you a, a crazy question. And Tom, this goes to you guys as well. If, if let's just say the president went to these insurance companies and said, look, we are going to do this warp, warp speed, but to gain the people's trust, you cannot upsell and get a bigger profit margin. You have to sell this at cost. I don't know if that makes sense or not. So if it's like, hey, if this thing's going to cost you 60 cents, the vaccines, sell it at 60 cents, not build the insurance carrier 50 bucks or 100 bucks, right? You think that would have made a difference in the carrier saying, well, if that's the case and we're not going to make any money on it, we're just doing this purely out of a world crisis to take care of them. I think we need six more months. I think we need three more months. I think we need nine more months because there is no benefit here. It's just purely we're doing it because... It's a problem that we have, and the downside is big because if, if any of these things have any side effects, we're going to be you know, dealing with a lawsuit. You think that would have made any kind of a difference? Yeah. Are you talking about insurance companies or the drug companies? The drug companies who I'm talking about. If they would have gone to Pfizer or Moderna and said, you have to sell this at cost. You cannot make a I, I profit think, off of it. I, you know what? Uh, that might have changed their internal uh, you know, net present value calculations for sure. You know what I'm asking? Yeah. Like if yeah, they, no, if yeah. I'm the president. I'm like, listen, you want to yeah. do this? No problem. You can't capitalize off this crisis and make billions of dollars. If you're willing to sell, the only companies I will work with to distribute this drug, this vaccine, right. is those who do it at cost. If you do it at cost, no problem. If not, we're not going to be doing this. That might that might have changed. That might have changed things. Here's a statistic that everyone needs to know. So. It took decades and decades for Pfizer to get to $40 billion in revenues before COVID. After COVID, in one year, $90 billion. Wow. Give, give, go deeper on those numbers, by the way. When, you say when the company was founded? Yeah, from when it was founded to you know, right before COVID. It took decades to get to $40-plus billion. And Pull that, up when Pfizer, uh, Pfizer was started. And then in, since COVID, they've forty to profited. $90 billion, one year. In one year, they, they went to $90 billion in revenues. Now, I did some back-of-the-envelope math prior. You've got to go back to 2021. The idea was we were— not decades, by the way. It's not decades. It's 1840. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? 
That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 1849. Okay, long time. 60 years. Long time. Years. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead. You were saying. Um, so uh, I did some back of the envelope math in 2021. You have to go back to when we were at the fever pitch of terror and fear. If you remember correctly, they were talking about quarterly boosters ad infinitum forever with vaccine passports and you have to get your papers checked. This was, this was back in 21. So I did some back of the envelope math. If that, if that had occurred and this had been carried out and Pfizer got half of the global share of the vaccine and I assumed 5 billion people would be vaccinated, 2 billion would either not or abstain. And, they, uh, and, they, and I looked at what they were charging for the vaccine quarterly boosters, that would have gotten them about $390 billion in revenues. That was, the, that, was, that was where they wanted to take this, and that would be bigger than Apple's revenue streams. Yeah, last year, 2022, if you just show what I just texted you, $100 billion, 2022 is what they did. So, okay, so a, a part of it that made guys like you skeptical was warp speed. That just doesn't sound right. So name, bad name. All the countries are united on the same page on doing this. Fear levels are high. Mainstream media high. Censorship, you can't argue against it. These are way too many red flags that you're looking at. So to to those who are overly skeptical and they don't trust somebody forcing them to do something, that doesn't naturally work well with them. Okay? So the rule breakers, you know, guys like you, Burry, or whoever, just some of the guys that are right. like, yeah, I don't know if I'm buying into this thing. You're forcing me to do it. I need some more intel. I need some more data. What happened recently when you started looking at the death rates? Because I'm in the life insurance space. I've been in it for 22 years, right? right? So, you know, I see cost of insurance. I see actuary. We sit there and we talk to carriers while COVID was going on, and they would tell us the data. Here's what we're seeing. Here's what we're seeing. Here's what we're seeing. One of the things you talked about is the percentages which, uh, uh, you know, overwhelming data from the insurance industry confirms the dangers of COVID-19 injections, according to Dow. In his interview with uh, Jones, he quoted uh, specific numbers from multiple major insurance companies that point toward massive increased deaths, death claims. Unum Insurance Q4 death claim versus 2019, up 36%. Lincoln Lincoln National, up 57%. Prudential, up 41%. Renaissance Group, of America up 21%, Hartford up 32%, MetLife up 24%, uh, Agon, 24, a Dutch insurance company whom I used to be a part of that company, plus 57%. And Q3, in Q, Q4, in Q3, they saw an increase of 258% in claims. That's Agon. These numbers are shocking according to Dow. So it, it, these numbers, if you can explain to the audience, what does this mean when you see this? And, and from there on, what did you start investigating? Right. So that, that you got to go back. That was uh, in the first quarter of 2022. Okay. And we were, we were starting, you know, we'd, we had already, uh, I had already gone kind of viral and I got a team assembled around me. Josh Sterling was a former um, sell side analyst at Sanford Bernstein for seven years. He was number one ranked institutional investor. So he basically knew what he was talking about. He helped me analyze these uh, results. And what we decided to do was look at group life policies specifically because whole life 
as you know from insurance, uh, it's, uh, it's Byzantine accounting. So group life is shorter duration contracts, so we knew losses would show up there immediately, and they did. Um, so that was early days, and uh, the numbers were astounding because basically the, the, the group life folks hadn't priced the policies correctly. And why is that? Because in 2021, there was a mix shift from old to young in terms of excess deaths. 2020 was all about old people dying. And that's okay for insurance companies because a lot of them already paid in. They're not on group life policies anymore because they're retired. doesn't matter. Um, but something uh, very striking happened in, in 2021. And that's when we really started you know, thinking we were 100% right that the vaccine was doing something. So the big mix shift from old to young was a big tell for us. COVID wasn't killing young people in 2020. What was killing people in 2021? We, we, we obviously think it's the vaccines, and the data keeps rolling in. We got all 22 in, and it, it's, it, it's not looking good. And since, since those numbers that you, uh, you spoke about, the Society of Actuaries has you know, collated all the numbers from the group life industry. They do a survey. 80% of the revenues are covered, and they verified our numbers uh, in uh, August of 2022 with the report that they put out, table 5.7 is the big table. And it's, it's claims. It's not dollars. It's just claims. And right now, if you were to look at uh, the group life policy results this quarter, um, they're not that bad because they've priced it up. They've repriced everything. So the, the losses aren't occurring because they're just raising prices. But the claims, the number of uh, the units, the deaths, is still up. And what we saw in... Uh, 2021 was alarming. One of the biggest things that I think is a smoking gun is what happened to the millennials in the third quarter of 2021. Um, in the group life policy holders, uh, their excess mortality prior to that in the spring was running around 30%. Now you got to remember 10%, as stated by Scott Davison at One America, is a once in a 200 year flood for this age group, 25 through 44. Um, and he was seeing 40%. Uh, 40% is off the charts. But in the third quarter of 2021, uh, in Table 5.7, their excess mortality rose up to 84%, 84%. And then it's, it's come down since then, which is good news, but it's still running around 23%. And I, uh, a whistleblower of mine at an insurance company who has insight to the Society of Actuary Numbers just leaked to me, we're reaccelerating this you know, in the fourth quarter of 2022. So it's not good news. But for me, the, the spike to 84% was, it, was what I call an event. What was that event? Well, it was called mandates and mass vaccination program. This is a group of people that aren't supposed to die, and especially group life policyholders, as you know, Patrick. Uh, the, these folks are the, the elite elite. They work at Fortune 500 companies, mid-sized companies, and they have access to the best health care. So why would all of a sudden they die in, 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 in a very temporal spike like that. I, we, we're, we're assuming it's the mandates and the vaccines. I've heard the naysayers tell me, Ed, it's suicides. So there was a suicide pact in the third quarter of 21. Doubtful. Yeah. Doubtful, right? Mm -hmm. um, was there, uh, and now I'm, I'm also told, well, drug overdoses. Well, to get a group life claim, you have to be employed with the company. I don't know too many fentanyl and heroin users at Fortune 500 companies that keep right. their jobs for long. So there wasn't a mass, you know, overdosing situation. And then the third one that I heard was that they missed their cancer screening treatment or appointments. I, I'm 56. I haven't had a cancer screening in yeah, my life. Certainly young people aren't going no, to cancer screening. No. I have a question. It's, it's, 
easy to appreciate what you're doing because you're a numbers guy, you're a data yeah. guy, you know? So it's, what do they say? The numbers don't lie. The math doesn't lie. So you can totally appreciate that. I'm looking at your book, by the way, which is, ironically is an actual book, not according to chat <laughs> GPT. Respect. But I'm looking at it and, I, and I'm noticing the, the title of your book, Cause Unknown, is in air quotes and quotes. It, was that intentional for a reason? Because based on your data, I think you do know the cause. Yeah. Would, would you kind of, in layman's term, break that down? Yeah, no. So we, tongue-in-cheek, put it in quotes on purpose because mm -hmm. um, this book uh, was pitched to me by uh, Gavin DeBecker, who wrote my afterword, and, and Bobby Kennedy. Uh, they wanted me to um, talk about sudden athletic deaths. And I said, you know, that, that's a good idea, but that's mostly anecdotal. I, I'm a dad. So we married the two together. So we, we want to show, we wanted to put a lot of human faces on this. Um, this is tragic. When athletes die, especially young athletes, it's tragic. Any death's tragic, but especially young folks. And that's, uh, that's what's occurring. And the anecdotal evidence of the sudden athletic deaths is, is pretty alarming. Um, there was a study done. Uh, the Lausanne study in 2006, a bunch of guys in Switzerland did this. They tried to figure out what was the incidence of sudden athletic death. And they found 1,101 such cases under age 35 where it occurred on the field or right thereafter after the field. 1,101 over 38 years is 29 per year. So that's kind of the baseline. Since uh, starting uh, in 2021, it's exploded. We'd be, we'd be lucky to have a month with just 29 sudden athletic deaths. Mm -hmm. We've had months with 90. The December of 2021 was 90. So, and in my book, my book's not exhaustive. There's just, there's hundreds and hundreds of, the, of these cases, mostly local news stories. So just based on my anecdotal evidence, that's a tenfold increase. And the case studies in your book, uh, how many exact examples do you put in your book? And then how many of them are athletes? Uh, I can't remember the exact number, but there's hundreds. And then we put a bunch in the back. It's just, there's just so many. There's hundreds and hundreds. Yeah. So from 29 a year to 29 worst case a month with a high of 90 in a month. I'm not even sure if it's 90. That was as of the writing of the book. It could have gotten it could it could it could be higher in certain months. So now. so what are people saying when you're asking them? They're saying the collapses are happening because of what? Like you remember the interview, the the Daryl Hamlin, uh, Demar Hamlin, is yeah. it Daryl Hamlin? Yeah, Demar Hamlin. Demar Hamlin, right? Yeah. When he, he was uh, asked by I'm Michael not Strahan, talk about that. With he Strahan. says, "I would, I, I'd like." It was like a seven-second pause, and then you can tell they edited the video, yeah. and Michael Strahan asked the question, but I can tell you they did not put it in there. I don't know if you saw this reaction or not. Have you I seen? Saw, it? I saw it. Yeah. So uh, uh, you know, uh, do you have that video? You know, because you you it seems like you. I mean, Strahan is asking a question that everybody is going to be asking. It's not like he's asking a question that's like a genius question. It's a question the world is waiting for. People want the right question to be asked. Can you go to the part where the question is being asked? Just fast forward to the part where the question is being asked. Yeah, there you go. I think it's about to be asked. If you want to press, uh, put the audio to the right, all the way to the right. Yeah, there you go. Could run circles around me right now. <laughs> <laughs> How did doctor describe what happened to you? Um, um, that's something I want to stay away from. I know from my Pause. experience. So, so here's my question. That's something I want to stay away from. 
And by the way, kudos to ABCs for showing the seven-second pause because mm-hmm. ABCs could have cut that seven-second pause and just not answer, but they put the video out there. And they even put that thought out there, which maybe ABC a year ago wouldn't even put the answer in the question. Yeah, we don't need to put that because it's going to create a lot of what? You know, skepticism and guys like us may be talking about it. It amplifies. But here's, here's <laughs> the question. What was the question? The question was what? What did the doctors tell you about this? Has anybody spoken to the doctor that was handling him to mm-hmm. ask what he said to him? And is that doctor going to say, this is a private client, patient, uh, doctor HIPAA. relationship that I can because of HIPAA regulations? But, uh, yeah, I mean, so, so what are people saying? If this number went from 29 a year to 29 a month to a high of 90 plus. More than 29 a month. He says we're lucky to have only 29. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. 29 is the yeah. worst month. Like, uh, yeah. So... What are they saying the causes for this? Well, recently, uh, Yahoo News and Bloomberg have. The good news is this was being this subject was completely ignored. This this death in young people, but recently in the last couple of weeks, they've had to at least acknowledge it exists. Bloomberg said, "Yes, young people are dying, but it's not the vaccines." That was their headline, and then Yahoo News put out a similar headline, and then I read the Yahoo News, and they've described the deaths. Again, they named some unknown expert. Our, our, we, we talked to some experts, and they said that COVID is causing uh, the immune system of uh, healthy young people to go haywire because it's so strong. So your strong immune system as a young person is now deadly because of COVID. You can't make this up. There, there, there's, there's no study. They just say it. This is the article you were talking about from Bloomberg. More young Americans are dying but not from vaccines. The increase started well before COVID-19 shots, according to mortality data, and has plateaued since. If you can zoom up, uh, move up a little bit, can we read the rest of the article, or you have to, uh, uh, can you zoom in or no? Okay, there you go. Go a little lower, a little lower. So No, the other way, so I can read the top. Yeah, keep going, keep going, keep going. Okay, so for most people on the field, cardiac arrest of Buffalo Bills, safety, DeMar Hamlin, January 2nd, one of was a frightening uh, potential tragedy, followed by, we're seeing not looking as happy ending of uh, vocal minority, though seized, and it's as purported, uh, 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 what is that word? Where are you? Purported. Uh, purported evidence yeah. of the terrible toll mRNA COVID-19 vaccines have exacted on otherwise healthy young Americans. The medical establishment and the mainstream media have generally dismissed such concerns. The medical establishment, well, that's the problem, uh, Bloomberg, to <laughs> write the word establishment and the mainstream media. You're assuming that some people trust the medical establishment and mainstream media generally dismiss such concerns out of hand. But whenever I hear them, I ask myself, I wonder if there's any evidence of that in mortality data. So go up. Let's see if their argument is going to get stronger. Um, so U.S. mortality statistics derived from death certificates filled by uh, physicians and medical examiners collected from state and local public health uh, agencies by Center of Disease Control and Prevention National Center are available online to anyone on a computer. They used to be updated only annually, but during the pandemic, the CDC began releasing provisions numbers as recently. It takes a little while to learn how to... Ex- okay, keep going. They're not giving an answer on the data here. So, you know, uh, uh, go, zoom into that one. With mortality data shows that, first of all, something has been killing American young people in sharply rising numbers. Lately, the 2020 mortality rate from 15 to 34 was the highest since 73 for those 25 to 34 it's the highest since 1950. Death per 100,000 population, 15 to... Okay, that chart right there yeah, is not a good chart. look. And by the way, during the lockdown, can you speak to this? 
you know, I was reading this hit during the lockdown. They also failed to point out that auto accident deaths were way down because of because millions and mil- billions of miles were not being driven mm-hmm. by that that cohort. And so therefore, those deaths were down simply because you're not driving a car. Right. And yet the total number was up. But you're talking about ex- excess mortality, right? Can excess you, mortality. Can you how would where would the like the reduction in auto deaths down? Where would that show up? Is that in the base number, not the excess number? It would be it would be in the total number. It, it would detract from excess deaths. So whatever's going on is excess to what would be down from made auto. up for the auto act. Yeah, the normal correct years and years of data, decades of data on auto deaths, which are down. It yep. makes up for that and more. Yeah, you know, in my book, I talk about something wow. else that's interesting regarding lockdowns. So there's a smoking gun in the UK data that we found where. Um, uh, once the vaccines were introduced, age, all, all age groups except one through 14 started having excess deaths. One through 14 age group, their vaccines were introduced later around November of uh, 2021. Excess mortality for that age group was coming down during the lockdowns because the largest single cause of death in that age cohort is accidental. So less activity. Mm-hmm. So their excess mortality was coming down, down, down. And even even when the lockdowns uh, uh, came off in the spring uh, in the UK, their, their excess mortality kept coming down. Then in November of 2021, it started going back up for age group one through 14. That's when the vaccine was introduced in the UK. It's no longer, I think, being offered for kids. And I think they just suspended boosters for under 50 as well in the UK, or they're no longer promoting it. I have a question on the lockdowns that Tom was talking about. So... It's almost like accountability and which one is worse. And let me frame this. So get the COVID vaccine because that'll protect you and save your life. Okay, that's option one. Or option two is, all right, you're locked down. And because you're in the house, even we had this conversation with Neil deGrasse Tyson. And because you're on lockdown, so people are drinking more, they're taking more opioids, fentanyl. You're, you're saying that they're you're drinking more, missing cancer screenings. I guess my question is, well, what's worse? Right. So you're mandating vaccines. So and then, you know, cause unknown air quotes or you're forcing people to stay home. And now they're resorting to not taking care of their health, not working out, drinking drugs, alcohol. At the end of the day, it seems like a recipe for disaster that there's going to be deaths either way. So uh, ultimately, you know, we have to pay the price as Americans for this resounding number of deaths, whether it's from the vaccine or whether it's from lockdowns. Do you see my question yeah. here? And I'm sure in 2020, there were some people that dr- drank too much or, you know, had some bad habits. But the, the, the predominance of death, excess deaths in 2020 was old people. That's in the numbers. Let me because that was pre-vaccine. Pre-vaccine. I think it's important to point at, that out. And right? that's when most of the lockdowns occurred. They kind of we weren't really locked down in twenty twenty one. Depending on what states you were in. Yeah, here, for the most part. Here in free state of Florida, no. But 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 here's something uh, shocking. So uh, between so f- the mixture from old to young w- is in the numbers. So from twenty 2020 twenty to twenty twenty one, forty thousand millennials died in twenty twenty excessively, sixty thousand in twenty twenty one. So. They added. Say, say that again. In 2020, 40,000 millennials died excessively, according to CDC numbers. Um, and then in 2021, it was 60,000. So what does the word excessively break? That means above, above and beyond the normal, okay, the norm, gotcha. the normal yeah. expected rate. And so that's a 50% increase. 
And then the Gen X didn't fare much better. That 94,000 Gen Xers died excessively in 2020. 120,000 in 21. Whereas old people were in 2021 went the other way. There were less. So there was this, what we call on Wall Street, a mix shift. And I would say it's an adverse mix shift. It's a very weird data to go yeah, that way. Yeah, yeah. it's very weird. Because yeah. did, did the virus morph? Did it only start to attack younger folks that are employed? So, so then I, so then I would come back and I would tell you, I would say, look, the old, uh, elders who got the vaccine more, older people or millennials and Gen Xs. I would say elders were elderly was more fearful of the vaccine. So, like in my family, uh, uh, more fearful are, of COVID. Yeah, more Not, more fearful again. of COVID. Yeah. Right. So my dad got the vaccine, two shots, and he got the three mm-hmm. boosters. My dad, he's eighty years old, about to be eighty-one in uh, next month. Nanny got the vaccine and the uh, uh, boosters, right? To them, it was like, what if this, what if that, what if this? People were coming to the house that were having COVID. My dad had COVID and pneumonia at the same time at 79 years old. It was a scare that he, he was going through it. So that data you're saying, why would the excessive number go higher for millennials and Gen Xs? Did they get vaccines more than the elderly did? Uh, they, they, well, they got the vaccines in 21 uh, through mandates. So there was no vaccine in 2020. Right. So, so the mix shift for excess deaths occurred in the young folks in 2021. No, once, I, once I they get, started getting the vaccine, and then this one cohort goes up 50 percent, the next cohort goes up 33 percent. Correct. And, and why wouldn't older people's numbers also? That's what go I'm asking. Up? Why wouldn't there? Because they also yeah. took the vaccine. Well, because there was a pull forward effect. We took out a lot of the uh, the weak older people with uh, some of the. Um, the unfortunate pr- protocols that went down in the early days. You mean they died already? They died already. Okay. So there was a pull forward effect. And what, so you see in the numbers in 2021, old people, excess deaths coming down because we, we, we took a, a, all the weak old people were taken out by COVID and or bad treatment in 2020. Their numbers came down excessively because we just took out a, a whole bunch of people. But there been since vaccinations keep rolling, they started to go back up again. Well, let me ask you, do, do you remember when they showed, uh, uh, Rob, if you can find this data, where they showed which uh, 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 cohort got uh, the vaccine the most? Uh, those without a high school, those without a uh, college degree, college dropouts, those with a bachelor's degree, MBAs, PhD. I don't know if you remember this yeah, data. It showed that yeah. MBAs was, were the least. The I least. think MBAs, uh, bachelor's degree was the highest. Bachelor's degree was the highest. They were getting the vaccine. And I think high school dropouts or college dropouts were the lowest, second lowest after MBA. So when you do think about millennials, Gen X, Gen Y, uh, boomers, which one of them got the highest percentage of, uh, and seniors, which one of them got the highest percentage of the vaccine? Uh, I haven't done that data because we don't have vaccine. We don't, we don't have that really as granular as we would like. Or rather, 70% of the U.S. over the bachelor's degree had been vaccinated or planning to get vaccinated compared to just half to 53% less education. In other words, a college degree is associated with a 43% increase and in likelihood that someone plans to get the vaccine. The difference by education level is larger than difference in the willingness to get vaccinated. Whites and blacks, 32%. The difference between, interesting, Latinos, 3%. So you, you saw... Almost those people that are getting a bachelor degree, they're, they're following the system, right? Correct. Can you see if you can find the data which generation got the most vaccine? While he's doing that, Tom's going to ask a question. So, yeah, Ed, there were some whistleblowers that came out that talked about um, hospitals uh, assigning causation to deaths. And whistleblowers came out saying, you know, I've, I had an elderly person who stroked 
and got classified as COVID because the hospital was looking to get the combat pay, you know, those, those yeah. payments from the federal government. You're looking at total deaths, which normalizes all that out of why it's causation. Right. You're looking at mass cohorts, not mass cohorts, the, the mass of numbers and the cohort saying, look, it's up which completely normalizes out all of the BS. And it's not BS, that, it's that's why hospitals we that. committing frauds yeah. to get the combat pay from the federal government, yes? Yeah, so we, we focus on the, what we call the metadata, the ones and zeros, because we knew that yep. as you go down into the data streams, there'd be fraud. So we're just counting, the, you can't hide the one, the, the one versus the zero. You can't hide the disabled versus the undisabled. So we stay up there. We're starting to go down deeper. We're doing a vaccine damage project right now, my team. Um, but yeah, that's what we have is irrefutable. There's just ones and zeros. Yep. And the number and and because it was a mass vaccination program, and it was global, the, these numbers that we're seeing occur in all different Western countries. And for me, the smoking gun is the group life folks, the society of actuary numbers, and then. We've yet to talk about the disability numbers that we've gotten from the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics. Yeah. So the point I was I was getting to for everybody listening and was to confirm that says, hey, a lot of people talk about all the things who died of COVID, didn't die of COVID. But when you step back and are looking at total deaths over time at the time vaccines are introduced for, oh, now it's OK for under 14. Now it's OK for under six. You're tracking that as that came like a wave. Correct. And the elderly, the culling of the herd with the elderly, that was the one where people were remuted in their attempt to say it, but they were pointing out saying, hey, look, this is far worse than regular flu, and regular flu will take out an obese career smoker on a regular flu season. This is worse than that, and that was the elderly culling of the herd. And and let's not forget uh, different protocols that probably didn't help, like rem, remdesmavir uh, ventilation has now been proven to be quite deadly for this disease. And let's not also forget, um, I lost my train of thought, but I'll come back to it. <laughs> yeah, but, but go, going back to it, I'm really trying to find out what percentage of uh, which generation got the vaccine the most. We can come back to this. You know, you know what I want you to go to? Rob, uh, uh, we were looking at a number earlier. How many vaccinations have been given so far in the last two and a half years. As of October of 2022, I believe the number was 12 and a half billion. So we're shy of 15 billion vaccines given. In US, shots given. Shots right? given. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in US, this is from Statista, which, you know, credible source, pure, purely data. Number of COVID-19 vaccine doses administered in the US as of February 23rd, two weeks old. And if you can zoom in on the numbers, Pfizer number one, Pfizer's number one at 400 million. Uh, then their booster is number two at 34 million. Moderna's number two, number two when it comes down to the main, 251 million. Their booster's at 19.4. Johnson & Johnson, obviously, we know what happened to them. 18.9 million. And you got a couple other guys that are there. So give or, give or take on this, what's that, 650, say 680, 700 million just in the U.S., Okay, yeah. 700 million just in the U.S. I think the number is 67 percent, 66 or 67 percent of Americans are vaccinated. If I if I remember that statistic uh, correctly, I saw 66 or 67 percent of Americans are vaccinated. So how much of this do you believe as a data person? This is either this is going to be opinion or if you have any kind of data to prove it, you know, it'd be great. How much of this do you think is, you know, when, when I was in a relationship 
and I was an 18-year-old kid or 22-year-old kid, and I'm, I'm dating somebody, and I was serious relationship. My friends wanted me to be single. Those who were single wanted me to be single. Right. Okay. I'm kind of like, dude, you know, you got you to gotta get a girl. It's great when you're in a relationship. I'm like, no, nah, bro, you want to be single. You don't have to answer to anybody. I'm like, dude, it's fine. No, it's like, dude, you come to the party. They're asking about you. Okay, great. Then you want to be single. Then when you're single, uh, married couples want you to get married. It's like, hey, dude, let me tell you, man, life is better when you're married. You don't have to worry about it and run around all over the and you're like, dude, okay, let me get married. And you're married, like, dude, single people. Are, so then it's like, no, bro, you're married, but divorce <laughs> is the way to be. You got to join the divorce party and go, you know. And, and you know, we were re- reading a statistic about a wife talking about why, you know, statistics in Maui, how it is, you know. With, <laughs> so, you know, say, like, hey, you got to get divorced, man. It's really cool when you're divorced because now you have money and you can do this. And imagine all those you, you know, young girls like guys with money and success, and the game is a different game. Oh, I want to be divorced. How much of this with COVID vaccines, people who got the vaccination, it's like, no, join my camp because God forbid if I'm wrong for having taken a vaccine purely by fear, how much of it is people just want to defend their decision that they made the right decision and they don't want to be proven that they were wrong? Oh, it's huge. I saw this on Wall Street all the time. Uh, It's, you know... My ethics professor said something that stuck in my head from business school. He said, uh, you can't rationalize facts to someone whose position is based on emotion. So a lot of people took this out of fear, which is an emotion, and then they convinced others to join them on the ride. And now data's coming out that they may have been wrong. And ego is a big part of what I saw on Wall Street. I saw people ride stocks down to zero where the you know, news flow was coming out that it was bad and they'd keep buying all the way down because they couldn't admit they're wrong. This phenomenon is now being repeated on a national global scale with this vaccine. People just don't want to admit they're wrong. And it's, the, the, the problem is this isn't money. This is like potentially your health. So I, I, view, I view the vaccine now as a trade, right? You're either long the vaccine or short the vaccine. Mm. If you're long it, um, you, you, you continue to get boosters. Because if you took it and now you're hesitant, that's great. Don't take, take it. But if you continue to get boosters, that's like buying a stock on its way to zero. And if you didn't take the vaccine, you're on, I think, the right side of the trade. So it's a trade in my mind. And, and what was the original thesis of the trade? It prevented you from getting COVID and transmitting. We both know those are lies. So the thesis is unwinding as we roll through time. So people who keep defending this are now defending it based upon what I call marketing scheme from Pfizer and Moderna, which says it reduces your chance of being seriously hospitalized. There's no, there's no paper on that. You know they there's say, no data. You know how they say, like, don't throw good money after bad. Correct. Um, mm-hmm. So let's say you're the 70-plus crowd. You're like, listen, I'm, I'm old. I'm, I'm going to do what I got to do to protect my health. Or if you have pre-existing conditions. But what would your message be for the 20, 30, 40 somethings, the millennial crowd even? You know, do they keep riding the stock all the way down? Because I'm saying for people that have gotten the vaccine, is it just stop it with the boosters? Stop it with the stop, boosters. Just, yeah. you know, I get it. You did it. But here's what you should do moving and, forward. And a lot, of, a lot of people, a lot of people were forced to do it. A lot of people didn't want to do it, but they did it. And there's a big what I call marginal middle of people that weren't that enthusiastic about this. Those are the people I'm trying to reach. There's the hardcore Covidians who aren't going to change their mind. They're going to get jab, jab, jab. Good luck to them. Covidians? I call them Covidians. Oh, Covidians. Bran- okay. Branch Covidians. Gotcha. 
It's a religion. It's, yeah. it's a religion in many ways to a lot of, a lot of these folks. It's tribal identity. Um, they did a lot of virtue signaling. Yeah, like I mean, branch when it comes to to <laughs> blame on line two. Uh, when, when it comes to blame. Okay, there you go. You just found it. Goat, is that the one? Yes. Good for you, Rob. Let me Great let me job, take a Rob. zoom in a little bit. Thank you for looking yeah, for it, Rob. Phenomenal. Which percentage of people in each age range receive the COVID uh, vaccine the most? Sixty-five plus is the highest. Okay. And by the way, what's the difference between? Oh, at least one is the pink. Fully is the navy blue. Okay, sixty-five is the highest, and it's fifty. This makes sense to me. Uh, Scroll down so we see what the the bottom line is. Twenty-five to forty-nine. Is that zero to a hundred percent at the bottom? Yeah, and the light pink, okay, extending to the right is all those nearly a hundred. Is this American or is this worldwide? This this I'm assuming this is going to be U.S. because it's okay. going to be t- this is so, USA fact. So does that yeah. mean almost ninety plus yeah. percent of sixty-five yeah. plus got the jab? I remember with the refrain, getting back to what you are talking about, the marketing, you were just talking about the refrain, safe and effective, safe and effective, get the elders first, and Cuomo on TV, let's protect people in the retirement homes. That's what drove that. Right. Well, they yeah, they got uh, first right of refusal. And then you started seeing, it's 100%, 99%. Can you go a little lower? 90. I don't think it was a right of refusal. I think it was, let's protect them. And so you had the nation's children and grandchildren lobbying grandma and grandpa to get get it. You're first yeah. because you're the most vulnerable, grandma. Go right. get it. Watch get this here. White is the second lowest. Blacks are the lowest to get the vaccine. Then the highest is American Indian, Alaskan Native. Asian is second. Native Hawaiian, specifically Maui. It's, it's a <laughs> <laughs> Pacific Islander is the third. And then you got Hispanics, fourth, multiple other. Then you got whites and blacks. Go lower. Let's see what other data you see here. Okay, that's that's it. That's what you got. Very interesting. Is oh, that by, by state? state right there? Well, I mean that that I I'd be curious to know if, if you go to California. What's the California number vaccinated? California is what? Eighty-five seventy-four. Eighty-five. Received at least one. Damn. Eighty-five percent. That 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 is insane to me. Go to New York. See what New York is. Left, left, left of MA. They uh, right there. Yeah, it's what ninety three percent. Oh my goodness. What about Florida? Yeah, Florida's sixty one. Is that sixty one or eighty one percent? Eighty one. Okay, oh, so that's sweet. seniors. Go to Texas. Seventy five percent. Go to Illinois. Uh, what is that? Seventy eight. Go to Oregon. Yeah, because outside of Chicago, Pat, it's. Mm-hmm. 80%. Interesting. Florida's 81. Seniors. Go to Connecticut. Connecticut is a hardcore, you know, 95%. There you now, go. That's go to Alabama. Connecticut is 95%. Go to Alabama. Go to Mississippi. Go down there. Alabama is 64%. We have a higher 61%. percentage of African Americans, which showed up on the other chart. 61, 64%. Hmm. Huh. Go to Utah. Just out of curiosity, Utah, 74%. Yeah. And Hawaii, or for our friend Ed? 90%. 90%. Yeah. I, I, I live you in guys it. are killing it out there. 